Welcome to MedTech Speed to Data, a KeyTech podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rogers, VP of Business Development at KeyTech. Each month, me and a KeyTecher are going to interview a MedTech leader and talk to them about the critical data-driven decisions they make in their programs. Hey, everybody. Welcome to MedTech Speed to Data. We have some great shows in store for you in the next couple of months. We have Greenlight Guru coming on in a couple episodes. This episode, we're going to interview Will Demore, Senior Mechanical Engineer here at KeyTech. We talk about consumables. And when you think about consumables, it's easy to jump right into high volume injection molding, design considerations, or how you sterilize uh, the, the product. But what you really need to be thinking about these days is these connected uh, disposables and how they interface with the system that it's going to be living in. What's the interface to the durable? What's the interface to the digital ecosystem? We'll talk with Will about integrating sensors into to the disposable and cost. Cost is king, of course. So enjoy the show and we'll see you guys soon. Welcome everybody to the next episode of Key Points. Andy Rogers, your host here. Today on the show, we have mechanical engineer, Will Damore. Will, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yeah. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Sure. So like you said, I'm, my background's in mechanical engineering. I went to the University of Maryland to get my bachelor's degree and went straight out of there to come to Key Tech and been loving it here ever since for the last eight years or so. I'm working on a master's degree in engineering management at Hopkins on the side and about one year left in that. But at Key Tech, a lot of my experience is in med tech. Um, you know, Key Tech does a ton of in vitro diagnostics stuff, especially, but I have a little bit different path than, than many of the folks at Key Tech. And so I, I may bring some interesting perspective on, on disposables and things like that. Disposables, that's, that's the topic du jour. So we want to talk about disposables, consumables, and, and lately, I know you've worked on, on one main project here at Key Tech. I see a lot of other projects coming in the door. A lot of our customers, particularly in the medical device market, are developing complex disposables. That can mean many different things. They're electrified these days and they're, they're increasing in cost. And, and the problem that our, our clients are seeing is that they don't have the team in place to add these um, complexities into these consumables that we're going to be talking about today. What we want to learn from you, Will, and talk about is how to sort of think about, you know, and change your thinking, I suppose, from classic consumable development to this new era of complex connected consumables. So what do you think is causing the increase in, in, in the shift away from your classic razor blade, if you will, where it just molded parts into more complex consumables? There's obviously a variety of factors that are, are contributing to this, this move uh, in this direction. A big thing is, is changes in market conditions, driving down uh, the cost of things like uh, semiconductors and, and you know, having mass automated production driving costs down. And that's allowing the use of those components a lot more in, in disposables because, you know, you, you don't care quite as much from a cost perspective about those things being single use or, or multi-use, but not, not kind of permanent durable components. Another thing is efforts to reduce uh, risk generally, but especially cross-contamination risk. And so anything that's, that's durable, that's going to be multi-patient use, you're going to need some kind of uh, reprocessing. Um, that adds risk to your system. I mean, usually you need to be pretty conservative about the kinds of reprocessing 
that you do on your disposable or on your, your durable components that are going to be reused for that. And, and that really speaks to the change and the move to uh, the at-home environment, especially because hospitals are really set up to be able to do uh, a lot more in terms of that reprocessing than someone in an at-home scenario may have. So that's driving a lot more of the, the trend towards disposables for app, especially. There's some other things that are also contributing to this, like the demand for, for body-worn therapeutics in, in drug delivery. It's very common for there to need to be some kind of a disposable element between a durable piece and uh, the body. The body comes in all sorts of different shapes and sizes and, and tends to have different effects on how a, a component degrades. Um, it's a lot of times it's just easier and, and more robust to, to make that a component that that's disposable. One important point I think to make as we, as we move into the, the conversation here is the distinction between two categories of disposables. Um, and the big ones that I see are single use disposables. So ones that really have the maximum amount of cost pressure and have no reprocessing requirements, but are probably the best at reducing that risk. And then multi-use disposables, which may have some kind of reprocessing requirements for, so cleaning and, and disinfection being the, the big ones there, but aren't designed for kind of permanent long-term use. So something like a CPAP mask, where the manufacturer is going to recommend that you clean that with soap and water, especially for on some frequency for extended use, but you're, you're supposed to throw those out after, you know, one to three months. Let's pretend that, that you're responsible for designing a body worn connected disposable that is going to be used in a, in a home environment. And this article that you wrote will recently, you know, addressed when you're faced with a complex disposable development challenge, the first thing you should do and where you should focus is the interface. So the interface between the device and the user, the device and embedded electronics, the device in the physical space, and, and clearly uh, the device and the digital world, maybe not the uh, metaverse, but you know, the digital world at, at this point. Yeah, not yet. So um, what, what do you mean when you say consider the interfaces? Why, why do you say that? The primary reason that I say that is because in any engineering development project, you, you want to think about your constraints and, and identify areas of maximum complexity. And in a lot of cases in, in the kinds of devices that we design, um, the interface between your disposable and your durable elements are that point of maximum complexity. Um, and, and, you know, furthermore, there, a lot of times in, as these medical technologies get more and more complex, the disposable may even be the most, the most complex element. We're finding more and more that, that the interfaces are the best place to start because you, you typically have the maximum number of constraints in those areas. And then you can kind of fill in the blanks from there, right? So if you, if you define your constraints that where, or you define your interfaces where you have all of that complexity and you're going to need to spend probably the, the largest amount of your design time on improving those and making those robust, um, because they're going to see a lot of cycling and things like that as well, which, which are going to add to the constraints that you have on that design. It's best to start there and then fill in what can, can often be the easier stuff in between. Speaking of constraints, let's talk about probably the hardest one, the user. What should you consider? 
when you start thinking about the constraint of the user or the interface rather with the user and your device? For a lot of reasons, that can be the most complex of these interfaces. And in my experience, the reason for that is really because in, in all of your other interfaces, or at least most of your other kinds of interfaces, you as the designer have a significant degree of control over both sides of your right? So from durable to, to disposable, you have control over both sides of that. And on the, the patient side, you only have control over one side, your, your device or disposable side of that interface. And you need to account for a very wide variety in many cases of, you know, physiological geometry. Um, or, or other constraints in designing for that user. And you need to think very deeply about how a user will interact with, with that interface and ways in which they could potentially misuse it, which are going to be, you know, the most difficult in that space. So I'm sure later we'll talk about a variety of ways that you can make device to disposable connections more intuitive. And a lot of those, those things are really not on the table for, uh, the, the disposable to patient interface. One example of a, a product that I've spent a lot of my time on at KeyTech, like you alluded to earlier, is the, the CoolStat thermoregulation device that we developed for uh, CoolTech Medical. And I remember in designing the, the disposable elements for that, it was relatively early in my, my time at KeyTech and I kind of over overestimated the um, ability of a user to figure out right away, you know, exactly what I intended with my design. And so I remember one of the, the founders of KeyTech, Brian Lipford, stressing on me that, you know, they're, they're going to put this mask on upside down. You might think that it looks obvious. You might think that, but, but they're certainly going to put it on upside down. And sure enough, we proceeded into a user study partway into that project and, you know, put this mask in front of people, ask them to figure out how to put that on. And, uh, sure enough, about 40% of the users put it on upside down. You need to assume that your users are going to do all sorts of wild things to, to misuse your device. And so you need to make it as intuitive as possible. Um, and so working with our industrial design team, I was able to make some, some small changes to make that more intuitive and things that, that can seem you know, a little too obvious, but, but for example, in this case, we added just a, a sticker on mask um, that just says this side arrow points towards your eyes. Um, so sometimes it can be that simple. So Will, you mentioned making these devices as intuitive as possible so that you, you don't misuse them. If you need to add labels, great. That'll help prompt uh, the user to, to take certain action. But in your experience, what are some other ways you can make devices intuitive and, and easy to use? Some things that we use are pokey oaking, which is basically putting some kind of a keyed feature on uh, both sides of your interface so that it's not possible to place that in, you know, maybe the incorrect orientation, or if you have two similar interfaces on your device, you want to make sure that one element will only fit in one of those two similar interfaces. So, you know, let's say you have two circular interfaces, you put a notch on one and two notches on the other, something like that. Another one is color coding or the use of symbols. So it seems, it seems easy and obvious, but a lot of times your first instinct is to just design an interface and expect that it's obvious to the user where that thing is going to go. But if you do something simple, like make both sides of the interface red, or 
um, put a, a little symbol on both sides. So one on your disposable element, for example, and one on your device side, and the user can kind of easily identify those and just match them up in, in making that connection. Um, it does an immense amount to really streamline that process and, and make it more intuitive. The last thing is to take advantage of what people are used to, right? So there's a lot of things, um, in just life in general that people are doing very repetitively all the time. And it makes sense in the design of medical uh, products to think about those things and try and relate your product to those things that people are used to so that it's more intuitive just based on muscle memory and what they've spent a lot of time doing in their life. Yeah. So how did you reflect that in your experience on the, on the cool stat, if, if you did, you know, sure. it's the mask you put it on, right? On the cool stat side, the two big interfaces other than, um, the mask, which, which goes straight on the face at all, I'll get to in a minute are a desiccant cartridge that has some, some media in it that'll dry the air because that's for delivery of dry. And that has a circular interface, um, where you, you insert the cartridge directly into the top of the device. And there's a cavity there. That's the exact size of your disposable cartridge. And so that's basically one method of pokey oaking is to create this volume in your device. That's very obviously intended for that one element. And then on the tube set side for the interface between the tube and the device, there's a custom manifold that has a specific, um, rectangular shape with some, um, some, some specific, you could call it pokey oaked features on the edges of that, that fit directly into the front of the device where there's a peristaltic pump to drive uh, the delivery of saline, which is necessary for that therapy. And we needed to go through a couple of iterations to get that right based on feedback from user study to make that interface as obvious as possible and disambiguate that from the desk and cartridge. And then in terms of things that people are very used to the saline interface, you know, we use uh, a saline spike that clinical staff, which are the, the typical operators of this device are using for many products, uh, in their, their time at the hospital. And so it's something that they're used to, they're going to know where to put that. And so we, we're taking advantage of, of what they're used to in that case. And then on the mask side, um, we did some benchmarking off of existing products that are very common, like CPAPs, uh, and designed a nasal mask that, um, that it takes advantage of a lot of kinds of features that people who suffer from sleep apnea are, are used to. And even if you don't suffer from sleep apnea, chances are you, you know, someone who does. And so you've, you've heard of what a CPAP is and, and the, the mask is more likely to be intuitive to you if you've experienced that. Oh, those are great examples. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. So now that we've conquered the user, we know, we know how to design things that are intuitive and, and match things there that they're, that users are used to, to dealing with. Let's, let's switch and start talking about the, the next interface, um, that we mentioned, which is the interface of the disposable to the, 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 the novel electronics that are powering these things or sensing different things, things are connected. So in your experience, like electrifying these consumables, I guess, what are some of the examples of, of functionality that you're seeing added to traditionally all disposable medical devices? I think the, the first place where electrification of disposables happened is really in temperature uh, measurement because uh, the, the cost of those sans sensors has been driven so low by the uh, uh, ubiquity of, of temperature sensing um, and how little uh, you, you need in terms of hardware to get reliable temperature measurements. So temperature sensing is a big one. 
um, measurement of other physiological conditions in a hospital environment or otherwise is also super common for electrified disposables now. Even things like uh, consumer products like vaporizers, which obviously is not a, a medical product, um, but because they are so commonly used, these disposable vaporizers, they're driving down the cost of things like disposable batteries, disposable circuit components that go into those disposable temperature measurement sensors. And then well, I've also seen flow sensors, memory chips on products such as uh, EE prom chips and things where maybe you, you have a variety of different disposables that look very similar. One example of a product that Keytech has, has spent time working on that uses something like that is a product for combinational drug therapy. And in that case, you've got a variety of things that may fit together, um, that look very similar, but you don't want the user to have to think very hard about what is in each one of those and how they fit together. And so if you can put some intelligence in your disposable that makes it easy to identify by the, the durable part of the device, that can really streamline the process and reduce risk for what you're trying to decide. So those are some examples of functionality that are being added to consumables. But, you know, the, the topic we're, ta we're covering today is the interface. So when you talk about, you know, these, these, this func these functions are being added, these components are being added. But what is it about the interface between the disposable and, and these electronics that you need to look out for? So it's, it's really a different kind of electrical connection than what, what we as engineers are used to in other areas of our devices. So, you know, the most common thing on the inside of a device is a, a PCB mounted connector, um, that goes directly to your electromechanical component. But, um, those kinds of connectors that are going to be board mounted are, are typically not appropriate for the kinds of interfaces to disposables that we're talking about here. And so you need to think about different things like, um, how the user will interact with that connection, whether it, it is easy to hold in their hand and easy to manipulate, um, the number of connections involved, you may need just, uh, just two conductors for something like a temperature sensor. Um, you may need four conductors if you are, for example, driving some piezoelectronic element and you want to have some sensor alongside that to either, you know, sense the presence of liquid or just get a continuity check to, to sense for the presence of that disposable connected to your product. There's a good example of a product that I've been working on very recently in that we're using a piezoelectric misting transducer to mist some saline. And in that case, we have four conductors. And so that has driven us away from, you know, something like, for example, a pin and socket connector, where if you've got four connectors, there are some difficulties with tolerancing among those different pins. And so you typically want something with either a little bit more compliance or, or that has those four con connectors kind of in the same annular design. So something like a, a, an audio jack or an amp jack is something that we may end up using for that just because it's one, one connection that the user needs to insert, but it has four, uh, conductors along the, the OD of that, that connector. Some other constraints that you're, you're going to think about in that case are things like ingress protection. You know, your, your internal connections are not going to need the same kind of ingress protection that you have on the outside of the device. Cost pressures, which are going to be different for your single use disposables versus your multi-use disposables. But it, there's a lot more cost pressure for something that's disposable than there would be for some of those inner in, inside the device connections. Um, and then. 
cleanability, especially in a multi-use disposable case, you may need to, to wash uh, that, that disposable with soap and water a few times before you replace it. And so it can't be something that's going to corrode in that case. Great. No, those are all, yeah, it make, makes you wonder why, why you'd want to add all this complexity to these consumables because you're just introducing, you know, these compounding effects of functionality and interfaces, particularly on the electronic side. So we're both mechanical engineers. Let's talk about more of like, you know, the physical interface and some of the prior examples did touch on physical interfaces, but you know, now that, you know, there's this anatomy of yes, consumables, they're complex. They do interface at times with a durable that's reused, but you know, talk a little bit about the physical interface rather of durable and disposable devices. There's a few things that we, we think about and create optimizing those, those physical interfaces. One is sealing. If you're, you're manipulating a fluid, whether it's it's a, a liquid or a gas, maybe saline or, or air, um, as in that cool stack case, you want to make sure that you're getting a reliable seal in that connection, which can be difficult for something that will see a lot of cycles. And so you need something that's not going to wear over time in a way that's going to negatively affect that. Or maybe you put your compliant component on the disposable side, let's say it's an O-ring and you have ro more robust, rigid components on the device side. It's a great way to, uh, to achieve one of those connections in a single use case. Other things that you like to think about are users like to have some kind of haptic feedback in making those connections. And so maybe you want to use something like detents or, uh, similar spring loaded elements to get your disposable to kind of snap into place when you place it, because the absence of that haptic feedback can sometimes make users worry that they haven't placed it correctly, even if they have. And so that's, that's important to think about, even if it doesn't seem immediately necessary when you're first kicking off your design. Another thing that you like, that we like to think about is, uh, potential for cross-contamination, especially in a, in a device that is specifically designed for multi-user use. That's where things like reprocessing, or maybe if you have a device, uh, that is for multiple users on the durable side, but has a single use disposable, you just make sure that you've got an appropriate amount of filtration between your, uh, your durable and your disposable such that any kind of backflow from, from the user, uh, you know, let's say in the cool stack case, backflow from breathing, uh, into that nasal mask. You want to make sure that anything, um, bacterial or viral that, that could reach the device is going to be filtered out on the way over there. Another thing that you want to think about is the frequency of connection. So you, you need a different level of reliability and compliance and something that is going to be cycled daily versus something that's going to be cycled, you know, replaced every six months. So frequency of connection is definitely a huge area that you, you want to study before you. Uh, proceed into detailed design. The last, last interface I, I want to talk about is the digital interface. And I think the, the digital interface really is a culmination of the prior three, you know, the, the use case, the user, the electrical in, interface to the electronics interface on the disposable, and then clearly the mechanical physical interface to a durable and all three of those combined really are enabling the use case, of course, and, and the product use, but now with the advent of at home and, and smartphone enabled devices, you know, those three interfaces then create this, that fourth digital interface. So clearly you have to pair or you're, you're pairing or you're using RFID, you're taking pictures to bridge from the physical to the 
uh, digital world. And, and I know you've been working on a project now where, where the, the product is app enabled. Are there, are there any, what, what, what is the most critical part of the digital physical interface in your experience? Well, I think I'd approach it slightly differently in saying, you know, where can you get the most value from the digitization of uh, the modern world in medical product development. And you touched on it in saying that there's, there's a big move towards at-home medical products now, and everyone has pretty much for the most part, a, a smartphone in their pocket now. So they've got significant computing power already prepaid and in their pocket and ready to end for a lot of products. You can get a ton of value out of that for uh, relatively little investment compared to what you may have needed to do to get similar amount of connectivity, you know, a decade or two ago. And so, you know, one product that I'm working on right now is for an at home, uh, a therapy treatment, um, for an acute medical condition. So it occurs, you take the device out and you use it. And we're developing a, a mobile app for that, that may include things like instructions for use, use tracking to, to know whether you're running low on, on disposables or something like that, uh, download of device data, both for improvement over the long term, if, uh, if the client can use that data to study use cases and, and consider improvements to the product. And so it's. If these, these devices are already in your, in your pocket, all you need to do is add some kind of wireless connectivity capability to your device. And then, you know, that $600 smartphone can do a lot of the work for you in, in sending uh, a lot of useful data <clears throat> up to the cloud where it can be accessed by the manufacturer of the device. It's, it's super valuable to, to both the supplier of the device and the user. So. You know, there's a lot of opportunity there to optimize the experience for the user and add detailed instructions or explanations of what's going on with the device at any given time. You know, maybe progress tracking through your use of the device or something like that. And at the same time, the supplier is getting a lot of value with all the data that they can record from, from the use and an encouragement of the, the user to go ahead and get more disposals when they need some, which obviously is good for that supplier's business. Yeah, no, those, those are great examples. And, and I would say, you know, these are interesting times when you consider, you know, interface to the digital world, you know, what you described the project you're on, it's clear that you're designing the, the consumable with the digital experience in mind, you know, at the, at the same time, but there are other products out there that have been on the market. Let's, let's call it lateral flow diagnostic test strips, been on the market for decades. And now people are adding the digital interface on top of it, just taking pictures of the lateral flow strip. So, you know, when we talk about the interface, there's another layer here of like, when do you add this interface on? Is it after you launch your disposable or, you know, slightly more complex disposable and get it out? Or do you, you know, do you do it in parallel from the, from the get-go? And I think there, you know, every dis, every, we're not going to get into the strategy here on the, in this episode, but you know, there, there's, there are different ways to go about doing it, I guess is my point there that I'm seeing in the market. Absolutely. The, yeah. And it, yeah. it really depends on the, the volumes for initial launch and things like that as to when you make those investments, like anything in a medical product. But, um, but there are plenty of cases where it makes sense to invest in that early and, and others where you do that much further down the line and add something like a QR code, you know, for example, like those, those lateral flow test strips to be able to track, track uh, results on the cloud. Yeah. But I loved your response, which was, it was, where's the value? You know, where can you add the most value 
And I think, yeah, that applies, you know, for all the other topics we've brought up here. It's like, do you want to add a battery to this disposable and add sense if you're doing 10 million of these products a year, you know, every penny matters. So, um, you know, where is the value that you're adding and is it worth it? We've talked about designing for or considering the interfaces and being a soon to be master, I believe in, in project management, right? Technical project management. Yeah. That's what your yeah. degree is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, congrats. Being a good project manager, you know, we, let's talk about, you know, predict the best trait of a manager is predicting the future. <laughs> so what are some of the common pitfalls that you've seen developing consumables, particularly these complex consumables that you as a project manager try to look out for? And how do you do that? Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the most important thing as a manager is to take a risk-based approach and think about what kinds of things could go wrong from a programmatic perspective, from a use perspective, especially in terms of safety and to, to try and head those off uh, in your design. So in terms of you know, programmatic or, or cost to, um, to our clients, one of the big pitfalls that I've seen is a, a, a de-emphasis or too little emphasis on the, what it's going to cost to assemble a, a medical disposable and you know, focusing on driving down bomb cost while allowing the cost of assembly to, to increase. And so design for assembly is exceptionally important. It's, it's not going to be worth it to shave $2 off the bomb cost if it adds 10 minutes to the assembly time. And you know, that, that labor expense of doing the assembly, especially in something that's designed for medium volumes, where it's not going to make sense to do some mass automated production yet, you really want to focus on what it's going to take to assemble on simplifying that process, both in terms of reducing assembly time and reducing scrap, because if you need to throw out a significant portion, that's going to bring the price of that disposable up. And then on the at-home environment side, you want to prioritize risk over things like aesthetics, especially, but sometimes you need to make trade-offs in terms of usability and cost, because in the at-home environment, especially if the user is only getting partial or no support from insurance for a given product, you hope to get that support from insurance. It's important to, to make sure you're thinking critically about whether the user is going to prefer some cost reduction versus some minor improvement stability and make sure that you're thinking about those things uh, correctly. And then finally, the last and most important thing in terms of risk is thinking about any possible way to reduce safety risk in the design of a disposable element. And sometimes that's really going to push you towards a single use disposable, especially for something that has fluids in it. You, know, you certainly wouldn't use a single disposable over multiple patients in the at-home environment or even in a clinical setting, unless it's easily sterilizable. And so focusing on that risk reduction is certainly the biggest piece. Yeah. Risk-based approach. It's the way to go. We talked about developing consumables, why they're getting more complex. They're moving from hospitals to home. Um, you're adding connectivity, adding, adding novel sensing, powering them, challenging user environments in the home environment. So considering all these interfaces is, is key. Um, we talked about, you know, looking for the value in the digital physical interface, where can you add the most value with connecting these things to a smartphone or whatever that, whatever you're connecting to. And then clearly thinking about, you know, uh, uh, preventing these, these pitfalls and thinking about the risks ahead of time as a product project manager, I think are all great tips that, that we've talked about today. Will, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to MedTech Speed to Data, a key tech podcast. Join us each month for more ways to get the right data faster to inform critical decisions. 
Find additional resources on our website, keytechinc.com. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and please leave a review on iTunes whenever you listen. Thanks. Thanks.